and welcome to Live from Bar Save, a fan-created podcast. EarthDawn is a registered trademark of FASA Corporation. Any use of FASA Corporation's trademarks or copyrighted material is not intended as a challenge to those trademarks or copyrights. This is a fan work, and unless explicitly noted, material it contains is not approved or endorsed by FASA Corporation. I just wanted to tell everybody, Rachel is taking a quick break. She's not feeling well tonight. Uh, so she won't be joining us, but I do have a guest here. We have Mr. Johnson from the Arcology Podcast. So welcome to Live from Bardsafe. Hello. Thanks for having me. Oh, we're uh, glad to have you. So uh, we were just talking a little bit before uh, before we started recording. You have some big news um, coming up for your uh, an entirely... Uh, well, actually, why don't you go ahead and tell the big news instead of me ruining it? Oh, sure. I, I guess, uh, I suppose first I should introduce myself um as mr johnson where that comes from i i do a shadow run podcast along with my co-host and wife vox who uh, we've been doing that for quite some time the arcology podcast we talk about shadow run and we have an a long-running shadow run actual play and it's been a lot of fun and one of the uh, big passions and interests for me that I haven't been able to pursue over the years sort of my white whale of role-playing games so to speak has been earth dawn I've been really interested, read a bunch of the books, gotten a few sessions in here and there, but every attempt to get a campaign going to last, just for one reason or another, has not worked out. Oh, I can can relate to that. (laughs) (laughs) I think every gamer can, really. Uh, It's it's, it's a really all all too common story, I'm afraid. And so Earth Dawn is is that game for me. Um, I'm familiar with it a lot because i've read a lot of the lore but i haven't actually gotten a lot of game time in and i wanted to do that and this vehicle of podcasting has had given me the idea that hey um how about an earth dawn actual play campaign well you know i know for a fact that some of our listeners are going to be immediate fans um of your actual play because we actually had some people on the uh the fasa games there's a thread on the fasa game site about our podcast and we had some people asking us to do an actual play and I, uh, I just was, I didn't quite have the time to go, okay, I'm going to do another show. And I didn't really want to split ours. I really want to focus on the source material. Um, so I was just kind of hoping somebody else would step up and do one. And it was like a week <laughs> later that I heard that you were. So, uh, yeah, we're, yeah, we're definitely like, looking forward it, to hearing this. Yeah, I've been keeping it kind of quiet because, um, well, I had the idea to kind of move along with it. And I started asking people about it. Gosh, almost a year ago now, uh, more like nine months or so, and there was just so much going on that I, I I really couldn't give it the attention that I knew it deserved. So I just sort of let it let it let it uh hang hang out on the back burner for a while till the time was right. And um, the the funny thing is when it came around to asking checking in with the people that I had asked, everyone was just enthusiastically interested. <laughs> so uh, the idea grew from. Uh, just sort of initial idea of, hey, we're going to do an actual play campaign of a single group playing the game. Uh, it grew out of necessity for how many players we ended up with into an idea that is going to uh, be a little bit of experiment. Um, maybe a little over ambitious for me, but I'd like to I'd like to challenge myself by 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 uh, doing things a little bit crazier than I need to. Maybe sometimes. Uh, so we're going to have multiple groups happening in the same setting that'll be recorded at different times, but their stories will be different, but woven together at times as well. 
That way we'll be able to cover lots of different um, story and play styles as well as discover and play in different regions of Earth Dawn and, or Bar Save, I should say. You know, that has always been one of my frustrations with, uh, with Earth Dawn is there are just too many settings that are too interesting and you want to hit them all. And I always oh, end yeah. up with these ridiculously contrived plot lines where I'm like, now you have to go completely over there to it's like go. the universal studios earth Dawn ride. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. I'm currently doing that right now. We're, we're all over, all over the place in our campaign. I, I just completely come up with these really weak pretexts to get people to go places. So having separate groups <laughs> in different areas probably makes a little more sense. And, and to make it more fun, I'm we're playing with our, uh, well, he was eight and he's nine now, our nine-year-old. And uh, he said, I want to meet the, I want to meet a dragon. So I'm like, okay, I have to find a way that first circle characters go meet the dragon right now. And so we have a really, a lot of people have asked us more about our campaign. I'm like, it would make no sense to anyone but us. So we touch <laughs> on it here and there, but we don't, we don't do it like up to the minute thing on our campaign. So hopefully you'll be able to keep yours on the rails better than we have. <laughs> uh, rails. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, players have a tendency to find rails and smash them all the bits when you lay them. So I, I try to avoid that whenever possible. Yeah, I, at a certain point, I just gave up on trying to plan a game. It's just insane. Like, <laughs> I, I, you know, I don't know if you found this to be true, but every game I've ever played in has had at least one pyromaniac. And like, you just never know what part of the city they're going to burn down tomorrow. So it's just hard to plan. <laughs> Oh my, yes. Uh, those those of you who might be listening or familiar with the Arcology actual play, of course, know Tiny Well, our, our troll street samurai who um, likes bombs. <laughs> oh, in Earth Dawn, it's the burning flask of oil. As soon as my little brother <laughs> saw that in the book, I'm like, this, this game is over. I need to find some new people to play with. <laughs> uh, just be glad he doesn't have access to C4. <laughs> That's true. I, I imagine Shadowrun could pre- probably get a little messier on that front. Oh, yeah. Well, there's, there's a specific rule about that. It's called Chunky Salsa. <laughs> That's great. I'm not making this up. <laughs> no, I didn't assume you were. <laughs> but yeah, just, just to, I guess, uh, talk about the Earth Dawn actual play that we're doing. It's going to be called Legends of Earth Dawn. And um, we have a placeholder website out there right now and that's about it (laughs) but uh, we've recorded a number of episodes and i'm in the process of getting those ready for release and our first episodes will be released at some time in may that's as specific as as i'm willing to be at this point yeah i found it it's best not to announce too far ahead of time too because you never (laughs) know with us it's just it's just rachel and me trying to sit down and record these and the schedule can get a little chaotic but trying to organize that many people so i uh yeah, I would. Uh, I would assume there's going to be. It's going to be up in the air somewhat. So, I don't think anyone will fault you for that. <laughs> so the the story will begin with one large group exploring a recently opened care in which all is not right, just north of the Servos Jungle. It'll be one rather large group that will grow some and then eventually split into two, and that's where the actual play will begin to split off and, and follow two different parties exploring the same care, and they will eventually go further separate ways from each other. I imagine one at least will be heading towards Parlanth. Oh, cool. My favorite the other place. group. <laughs> the other group is going to be starting entirely oblivious of the other player characters, and they are going to be starting in Trevar. 
I decided to pick that location because there is a book coming out very soon. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we were actually just talking to Josh on our show. um, It's been a little while now, maybe a month or so ago, uh, about the Trevar book, and we're really looking forward to that. Fortunately, I was a Kickstarter backer, so I got access to the the pre-art, not-quite-done-yet version, so... Uh, we were able to, to peek into that, and he he gave me a permission to share it with the other players, so they'd be able to do some research on Trevar as well. Oh, cool! I I missed out on the Kickstarter. I I got back into Earthdon like just shortly after, like a few months after that. Um, I hadn't played for years and years, and just got back into it, and so a few months earlier, and I'd uh, I would have been on there. <laughs> I did the one for eighteen seventy nine though. The new, uh, the new. Well, it's actually not all that new the players book's been out for a little while but the uh kickstarter for the gm book rachel and i did that one yeah that setting looks like it'd be a lot of fun yeah it looks pretty interesting that that's my other one that i'm trying to figure out how on earth this fits into our life but (laughs) (laughs) sometimes you have to build your life around the gaming i've just found that you know like we're we're playing saturday i don't care how many other things are going on (laughs) Um, so there is one other announcement that is a super recent development. Not even the other players of the game know this yet um, about the Legends of Earth Dawn game is that we will be featuring a, a new player who won't be in the first few episodes because he hasn't joined those recordings yet in that that player is going to be. Uh, let me guess. Can I guess? Yeah, you can guess. Uh, me. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't Welcome. just invite myself. Uh <laughs> That sounded really rude. It's like I just invited myself to your table. No, we were no, talking actually, about this I, I invited before. you before the episode, so just, and, just to clear the air there. Yeah, and you know, I was just, excuse me, <coughs> my voice is much better and the cough is much better, but I'm not totally through yet. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully that won't be on, uh, I'll be coughing through your entire podcast. I'm going to have to just work that into my character. <laughs> but I was just saying, <laughs> I feel a little bad because I had it, um, I had a uh, an invite from RPG Squad to do theirs, and I really wanted to, but they um, they record more often, and I just wasn't able to kind of work it out. Where I think the the once a month that you're talking about, I can swing that. So. Yeah, we're actually meeting once a month. Uh, it's not once a month for me; it's three times a month for me because there's three different groups. Right. So <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm a player in one, and uh, well, I'm a player in two out of the three at the moment, but. Uh, once we finish the first thread, the GM of the first two groups is going to be switching over to the player, and I'll be GMing both of those groups. So as a GM, you need to be really, really nice to that player because he'll give it back to you times 10. <laughs> uh, yeah, we've been playing together for years anyway. Th- th- those of you who are our college listeners, uh, work, uh, that player is Carlton, uh, who also plays Hayes. So uh, yeah. we've, we've got uh, quite a number of people who are uh, – various uh shadowrun podcasters a lot of them through involved in the arcology but not all and we've got some other uh cool uh kind of really neat um i guess between earth dawn and shadowrun scene uh, all-star cast i think <laughs> i think have, having you on there and and uh, of course invited rachel hopefully she'll be able to make it but i understand her schedule might not permit i'm an all-star because a i own a microphone b i know how to plug it in c I have a bunch of Earthdawn books, and D, I've read some of them. So I'm an all-star. <laughs> <laughs> a self-declared one. 
Well, I, I'm really looking forward to that, and I appreciate the invite. That should be a lot of fun. And I, I was mentioning before we started, I've never actually played a session of Earthdawn. I've GM'd a lot, but I've never actually sat down and played. And now that I think about it, Parlane's always been my favorite but it might be just because it gives me an opportunity to do a lot of mean things to the players. So I don't know if I, <laughs> I don't know if it'll be my favorite being on the receiving end of that. But uh, I don't know. Maybe well, Trevor would I be will a little easier on me. I will tell you the group that you are joining um, does have the has had um, the first player character fatality of the of the actual play. <laughs> oh, great! I'll probably be the second. It was it was a brutal and unexpected death, and I'll I'll, I'll leave it at that. We won't say who it was, of course, and you'll, you'll find out in the show. But I do like teasing that someone died because that, that that gives you a lot of tension when you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, I can't wait. That's that's going to be really good. <coughs> <coughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> oh, there's some editing that will need done. Yeah, some of the cool stuff about the cast is one of the people you will be playing with is Josh Harrison. Yeah, you were telling me that. That is that's really cool. You know what was funny? I, I mentioned that on the FASA Games thread that people were saying there needs to be a um, there needs to be an actual play. Well, you hadn't announced yet, and um, Josh had told me that he might be on an actual play coming up, and you had told me that you were thinking of starting one or we're in the works of starting one. <laughs> and he mentioned on there, there might be one coming up. And I'm like, I don't think it's been announced. It's sort of half announced, but I'm not sure if I didn't want to ask him is that one. Cause I didn't know if he knew about you, he might be talking about a different one. So I, it was like an episode of friends that I was right in the middle of. And I knew the secret <laughs> I wasn't supposed to share. So <laughs> I kept well, we can all shut. talk about it now. So <laughs> So yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I've gotten a chance to play some Earth Dawn finally. I'll be looking forward to GMing, and it's so far it's been a lot of fun. And um, I know there's a lot of Earth Dawn in my future, and that's awesome. I'm looking forward to arguing with Josh about rules and going, no, I'm pretty sure you're wrong. What makes you <laughs> the authority? <laughs> you know, that's the funny thing, too, though. I, uh, I'm glad that he's going to be there because I... I am actually not very good on Earth Dawn. If you notice, we don't talk about roles and mechanics much. It's not that I'm not interested in them. I'm just really bad. And every time I mention mechanics, I get all these comments about, you're totally wrong about that. And so I've just, because for so many years, I would just wing it. Earth Dawn, and I blame the developers. It's so easy to wing things. Why would you expect me to follow the rules? Because I can just make up roles as I play. So I'm trying to get, I'm trying to break that habit. But I do lean toward that versus looking things up in the book. Um, I can just, you know, make up a step number and throw some dice and make up a result and no one seems to notice. Oh, yeah, I totally get that. I do that in Shadowrun all the time, which is not necessarily the most conducive setting or system for winging it. But I'm so familiar with it now that <laughs> I can do that a lot of that stuff in my head. And, you know, I also used to sort of... Um, I think everyone does this to some extent. You get into an area of lore or source material that you're a little fuzzy on. You just sort of make it up. And I try, like, when I started doing the podcast, I'm like, wow, I can't even do that because there are people listening that know what they're talking about. So <laughs> so I used to just sort of, like, smooth over. So I actually a fair amount of the time say, you know, I don't know. I'm not sure about that. Um, but I, uh, it, it's kind of made me really 
get a little more serious about the keeping the consistency right because I've always played with players who just didn't know as much as I did no matter how little I knew they knew <laughs> less so <laughs> yeah I oh mean as, as far as Shadowrun goes I mean gosh I've been into Shadowrun for a really long time and oh say hi to my son hello you're on the podcast now <laughs> Right. I, um, our kids have been on the podcast. Uh, Josh's <laughs> daughter was on there. So, yep. yeah, the kids welcome. What was I saying? Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've been into Shadowrun for, for you know decades now and in, in, in quite a bit. And, um, yeah, I've been doing a podcast for a few years now. But it's in, I feel like I, I barely know, you know, the, 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 the tip of the iceberg when it comes to Shadowrun lore. There are so many people out there who know so much more than I do. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a little intimidating sometimes uh, when, when you start talking about those topics. But the, the fun thing is that in both Shadowrun and Earthdawn, uh, they, they both kind of came from, from that original FASA um, uh, sort of mentality where you don't, you don't reveal all the mysteries. Right. You know, the, they, they give you in the source books – a lot of material that suggests what might be going on, but never actually outright tells you. So it gives you a lot of freedom to make your own decisions about what's really going on. Right. Or to even just leave it unexplained. You know, I like that, but I also like some of the, some of the earth on books, uh, like Parlength does this in the throw book. Some of them even give you multiple choice, like option a, this is what's really going on. Option B is like this. And so sometimes you get these concrete things, but you get to pick one way or the other. And then right. other times they just leave an open-ended. I, I just love that approach to, to, to writing source material for, for a role-playing game setting. It just, yeah. Such a, such a cool idea. And it's such a balance. If you tipped it too far one direction or the other, it would just ruin it. Like it, you would either leave the GM just completely having to create their own settings totally from scratch or you would just force everything on him so that it's not, you know, not flexible enough. And I, I feel like I feel like the Earthdawn, uh, Earthdawn books have always just really, really been right there on that line, right, not too far one way or the other. Yeah, certainly, it's it's um, they're a lot of fun to read. <laughs> oh yeah, they. Um, sometimes I just sit down and read read books that I'm not even planning on playing anytime soon, and that's that's one of the reasons why we were kicking around the idea of doing the podcast and I'm like, I don't know if, I don't know if we have the time to do it. And then I thought about it. I'm like, most of the time is in reading the books, which I'm going to do anyway. So uh, <laughs> it is a little weird. I feel like I have a weekly book report now, so that's a little strange, you know, but <laughs> it's the coolest book reports I've ever done. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um, I, I've, just love that we decided to start podcasting and uh, just all that's come of it. It's just been just a fantastic experience on very many, very many levels. Oh yeah. It's, it's been great for us too. And obviously you've been doing this um, a few years longer than us. We've only been, uh, well, I guess this is the 14th or 15th episode, something like that. Um, <clears throat> but we've met a lot of good people online with, we're talking to you know talking to a lot of fans and just just out of nowhere I'll get a Twitter comment from someone I've never talked to wanting to talk Earth on it's like it's really cool. 
So, uh, well, you know, I'm sure a lot of our listeners probably know some things about Shadowrun, but I'm sure we have some that don't. Like, I, you know, I came in through Earthdawn. I actually hadn't even uh, hadn't even heard of Shadowrun until I was into Earthdawn, and then I, I saw it in the gaming store, and that's sort of been my white whale. I've been saying for 20 years I'm going to play Shadowrun someday, and I haven't done it yet. But um, can you tell us a little more about Shadowrun and uh, some of uh, – the similarities and differences between the between Shadowrun and Earthdawn. Yeah, okay. Shadowrun starting from the top. It's a cyberpunk fantasy role-playing game. It takes place in the 2070s now where uh, you've had lots of technological advancement. Um I'm I'm sort of assuming you have uh, some understanding of what I mean when I say cyberpunk. Um but I guess just summarize a little bit of that. Uh, people can have their bodies augmented with technology to make them better, faster, stronger, smarter, etc. Um, the internet has a more deeply visualized version called the Matrix, and uh, computer hacking is a big thing. And uh, the civilization is, is quite dystopian. Uh, mega corporations rule the world. Uh, governments are. Uh, have very little authority and are more or less the lapdogs of the mega corporations, who of course care nothing, uh, care for nothing more than uh, seeing their profit margins grow. Uh, some of those corporations are owned by dragons, and your characters in Shadowrun are sort of the people who fall between the cracks of the world, the sinless. Sin being system identification number that identifies you, sort of like a uh, what we use our social security numbers for in the U.S., but uh, you know, applied to everything you do. And these characters, in order to get by in the world, um, have to do things that aren't necessarily so pleasant or legal. And that's where Shadowrun comes in. A Shadowrun is essentially an illegal odd job that you're doing for someone. Um, that you probably don't know who you're actually being employed by. And uh, it often involves um, well, all kinds of different illegal activities. Uh, sometimes they're heists or sabotage, theft of data, corporate espionage, um, actual physical sabotage, assassination, smuggling. Um, and those are just a few of the ideas and fun things you get to get up to. No, I and know. you're never sure if the person who's hired you is going to actually pay you at the end. <laughs> oh, that's always fun. I I, I do that in Earthdawn, too. I, I, I made the mistake <laughs> in my very first Earthdawn campaign of being too generous with the treasure, and by, like, the fourth session, everybody was insanely rich. So uh, I go way far the other direction now. They just know they're never, ever making any money. So I think <laughs> I, I should jam some Shadowrun. It sounds like it's right up my alley. But <laughs> I... I, I'd like to let the um, let the the PCs get their hands on some nice toys from time to time. It lets them do some neat things they wouldn't otherwise do, <laughs> and um, I can always destroy it later. Yeah, that's true. It's actually better to let them have it and then take it away. So that <laughs> even better. Uh, no, <coughs> excuse me. Um, no, I know originally Earthdawn was conceived of as being a uh, precursor to Shadowrun. I, I guess it would have been a few thousand years prior, but in the same world. No, over the years, as the material got sold, you know, owned by different uh, companies, the world sort of drifted apart. But uh, as you mentioned, the dragons, and I, I'm not real up on Shadowrun, but I know there are quite a number of uh, crossovers, especially in the earlier, uh, you know, 
at one point and then like i said it's sort of drifted over time but i find that pretty interesting i'm kind of that's one of the things that's making me want to get into Shadowrun even more well um no i don't i'm not a total expert on exactly who was involved here uh but i know uh jordan weissman is is, is sort of um the the main person that the both the ideas of Shadowrun and Earth Dawn have, have have come from, though I know a lot of people have developed it since. Uh, so I don't want to claim he's completely the credit for it, though um, definitely largely the credit for both Shadowrun and Earth Dawn. You know, one of the so things, they they uh, both kind of come from <laughs> come from a lot of the same mindset. Uh, Shadowrun did come out first, and uh, a while later Earth Dawn came out. So. Uh, Earth Dawn draws from a lot of the ideas of Shadowrun, but it's it's you know challenging the concept of what a fantasy campaign, uh, role playing game campaign can be. One of the things I've always found interesting with Shadowrun that that kind of caught my eye early on. Uh, now Earth Dawn is supposedly set in our world. Uh, you know you can look at the map and sort of kind of see where it is, but it's so ancient that it doesn't have a lot of parallels to our modern day world, but you in Shadowrun, you're actually playing in specific modern day cities. And that, isn't that right? Yeah. The, the psych that is an, our, our world of earth, uh, the, the cycle of magic, um, that you know of from earth dawn is, is risen back up again. And it's caused all kinds of civil unrest and problems around the world along with all sorts of other world problems that happen to be going on as well. <laughs> so you have, uh, I believe the, the awakening was heralded by the, the spotting of the great dragon Ryumyo, who awoke and was seen flying past Mount Fiji in Japan. And not long after, uh, other awakened critters were seen here and there. People began to express different forms. Uh, so you might have a baby that was born with pointy ears or a bit shorter and a tendency for more facial hair earlier in life, um, elves and dwarves. Uh, but eventually and more traumatically, uh, some of these people expressed as orcs and trolls in the middle of their lives, say in puberty. Uh, imagine you're a, you know, a kid going to school in high school trying to deal with the pressures of uh, being a freshman in high school. And then you're out of school for a week and all of a sudden you are you know, two meters tall and covered in horns and warts. I had that pretty much that experience, yes. So I, I... Yeah, we can relate to someone. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> So there, there's a lot of uh, uh, racial tensions and issues because essentially the idea being that when, when magic went away, uh, most of the races uh, more or less became the template that is human more or less. And over the years forgot about their, their previous races and intermingled and all the genes are all mixed up. So when the magic comes back, it awakens certain genes and people who have strong enough uh, genetic representations of a particular fantasy race uh, would have expressed as that race. It's it's called um, UGE, unexplained genetic expression, or uh, among the less racially tolerant uh, goblinization. Now, the um, one of the things that I think is pretty cool about that that's different from Earth Dawn. With Earth Dawn, magic has been a part of everyday life for centuries. Now, there's some mention of the magic level arose and fell, but some people don't, in the world of Earth Dawn, some people don't even believe there ever was a time without a high magic level. You know, the, the scholars yeah, say it's, it's come and gone, but your average person might go, oh, that's crazy. But it sounds like in Shadowrun, it's a new enough occurrence that people are still coming to grips with how to deal with it. 
It's not oh, a yeah, normal in many thing levels. Yet. It's still changing and evolving. New kinds of magic are arising. We had the, the addition of alchemy in 5th edition, uh, which in, it sort of both adds a new game mechanic, but also reflects that people are discovering new ways to use magic or rediscovering old ways in some cases. Yeah, that's that sounds like being in the early part of the curve of the magic coming back. That that would be a just a really cool part of the setting to play. I, that that sounds really appealing to me. And, and nobody uses a spell matrix. Everyone raw casts. Yeah, you were telling me that before, and that. Um, but it's not as dangerous because there are no horrors around right now, or relatively few, if any. Maybe it's okay. hard to say. And I attribute that to my Earthstone character uh, is evidently going to be successful enough. I will rid the world of horrors. So you're welcome. <laughs> the, the magic level is just not high enough yet, actually. Oh, okay. You just had to take that away from me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, oh, I think there, there's actually just... even some question within uh, the, the setting of Earthstone now that, that the magic level might not even go down. Right, it it's mysteriously stabilized. It's stabilized, and basically, the scourge never. Um, they had these contraptions, magical devices, to tell them when the scourge was over. There was a ball of elemental earth suspended over over uh, a bowl of elemental water, and as the magic level decreased, the the um, the earth would lower, and when he hit the water and would kind of dissolve into the water. The scourge was over. Well, it, it decreased and decreased, and then it just stuck there. And everybody was sort of like, "Okay, is it over? Is it is it going to go back? What what's going on?" And eventually, everybody said, "Okay, well, let's let's leave the cares." But that's one of the reasons why not everybody just left at the same time. Um, yeah, had, some people are still in their cares, going, "Oh well, it right. should be over by now." But the meter still says it's not safe. And then the people that open the cares, it can be pretty dangerous. Even if no one inside is corrupted, they think it's a trick of the horrors a lot of times. So, you know, it's a it's a pretty tricky situation there. But, yeah, there's some some of the source material says there's speculation that that the magic level, you know, some people say it'll it's stabilized forever and it'll never recede. And other people, you know, there are different explanations kind of going around. But it's another example of one of those things that they leave sort of open ended that could be uh, could be a lot of different explanations. Yeah, I, I just love how there is just well embedded in the set in the setting plenty of excuses to have dungeons to go poking around in. You know, and actually, <coughs> excuse me, it actually never really occurred to me before. I, I I had played a couple games as Dungeons and Dragons, but I was never super into it. I I just um, it, just for whatever reason, I, I played here and there, but it, was, it wasn't even in one campaign. It was just random, you know, random sessions that never, like you said, never turned into a game. Um, it didn't even occur to me until years later, actually, uh, maybe a month before we started this podcast, I saw a an interview, a YouTube interview with Josh Harrison, and I can't remember his name, but the uh, the lead developer of, of the 1879 role-playing game, there was a an interview with the two of them, and I think it was in that interview they were talking about that one of the major uh, one of the major design uh, you know one of the major design goals of Earthbound was to say okay instead of just having dungeons and monsters and magic like where did it all come from and how does it all fit together in a cohesive whole 
instead of just being these random things that were fun but didn't make a lot of sense. Um, it didn't even really occur to me that that was why they designed the setting the way they did. But it really does give it that cohesion that a lot of other games lack. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of the design mindset of Earthdawn was let's take a look at the idea of um, our, our fantasy tropes from a D&D campaign and create a, a setting and a rule system that, that works together that you know has a plenty of reasons to exist <laughs> that make sense. Even simple things like you go in a dungeon and there are torches on the wall and you can see everything. Well, those torches were burning for 5,000 years or, you know, it doesn't make a lot of sense. But in Earthon, you've got you've got light crystals and, you know, there are reasons why you go in a care that's completely been devastated and it's just in ruins. You maybe could still have some light in there because the light crystals are still intact. Just those little details like that. I think are, are what make the game. It just feels like a real place, you know. It, it uh, yeah, definitely. That's that's ultimately, I think, the strength of uh, both Earthdawn and Shadowrun, and and I think any of the original, you know, IPs of of Fossa. You have you know BattleTech throw in, in there as well. You have you know a, a whole setting that's mainly about you know big stompy robots shooting each other, but the setting is so rich and well developed. You've got so many reasons why the big stompy robots are running around and shooting each other. Um, <laughs> and that, that's it, going Shadowrun. You've got you know uh, I know William Gibson is kind of infamously quoted as as referring to Earth Dawn as well. Somebody just took. Uh, you know, uh, took my idea of cyberpunk and just sprayed Tolkien on it. Well, they could have done that, but it wouldn't have become what it's become today. It's, it's such a, a richly developed and realized setting and world, you know, looked at, you know, from the ground up from the very beginning and, and having that carried through, you know, throughout its entire lifespan, even after Shadowrun has, is, you know, when Mufasa closed its doors and it's, it's passed through you know, a couple other companies, and is in the hands of Catalyst now. It's, and I see that from Earthdawn as well. It's still being carried through, in in, in that spirit. Um, even though I, I know Earthdawn, Earthdawn's license has done a bit of wandering as well. Yeah, it's it's actually it's a little confusing. All the different editions and some of them overlapped and were at the same time. And even right now, and I don't. Um, even right now, it, I was a little confused when I first saw Earthdawn Age of Legend, the the lightweight game, and realized that's not made by the same company that makes fourth edition. You know, that it's it's licensed Earthdawn, but it's a different system, but it's in the same world. So it, it can get a little confusing. I, I'm wondering, yeah. I, I think that may Shadow have Run. turned some people off, like going, this looks cool, but I'm not quite sure where to get into it. You know, Shadowrun gets even messier with uh, some of the, you know, I think video game licenses being owned by Microsoft or they were in part. And I know Hairbrain Schemes has gained access to them. I'm not quite sure how <laughs> they've made some great computer games uh, since uh, with Shadowrun Returns, Dragonfall and Hong Kong. Just if you're looking at dipping your toes into the setting of Shadowrun and want to explore that. And if you'd like sort of the top down uh, computer RPGs. Um, Shadowrun Returns is just amazing in, in any of the ones in the series. 
That's that's on my uh, on my Steam wish list, but I'm not quite done blowing up Kerbals yet. I'm I'm still exploding things in Kerbal Space Program. So I've yet to play that game. I I, <laughs> I keep they keep eyeballing it, but I haven't, haven't pulled the trigger on that one yet. I, I've been trying to talk one of my friends into it. I told him it only costs thirty bucks plus a hundred hours a week for the rest of your life. So just go ahead and do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my my uh, my game on Steam that uh, I really every time I see how many hours I've played the readout on there, I just I hate that get embarrassed feature. and feel feel bad about my life. Um, is Seven Days to Die? That game is just awesome for me. <laughs> I know it's not for everybody. It's it's a zombie thing, um, but it's it's awesome and I love it. And I play I th- it way too much. I think there needs to be a game where all my dead Kerbals come back as zombies. Maybe that could be a sequel. <laughs> That would be that would be horrifying. I think I even have nightmares about that. <laughs> All right, so um, I guess do you want to talk about Shadowrun more? Or? Um, sure. If you've got, uh, actually, I'd be. I, <coughs> I'm sorry. I'm I'm like eighty percent over this 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 uh, mm-hmm. health issue with my coughing, and I have a screaming child in the hallway. Um. Yeah, I'm up for a Shadowrun or Earthdawn, either one. But uh, maybe you could tell us a little more about the history of um, of your actual play uh, Shadowrun. I know you've been doing that for a while, but what are some of the like some of the story arcs, some of the uh, favorite moments you've had on that? Oh my gosh, there's there've been so many. It's 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 one of my longest running campaigns that I've ever run, uh, for one. So <laughs> it's been going on for a long time. Some characters have come and gone. Some have been there. Uh, very few now have been there since the very beginning. Um, some players have changed characters, and gosh, uh, so yeah, we started out with it, it takes place in Seattle, which is the the most common city to start in Shadowrun. Is uh, Seattle? It's it's without going too much into the the, the lore and setting. Um, the United States is split up now between multiple different nations, many of them um, owned by Native American tribes, and Seattle is sort of this this section, like small island city state of the United Canadian American States that's surrounded by other nations that are not necessarily hostile, but not necessarily super friendly either. And sort of, it's a great trade hub. Lots of corporations have their headquarters there, and lots, lots of stuff goes on. So, plenty of opportunities for illegal activities, including uh, all of the things I mentioned before. You know, one thing I'm wondering, um, and I'm sure this is just up to the GM which way you play it, but I can envision that the players would—they're basically freelancers, right? So they would could kind mm-hmm. of choose which jobs to do and and that but i would imagine there's a fair amount of black blackmail and uh, leveraging them into doing things too so would that be accurate that sometimes they're mm-hmm. picking and choosing and other times they have to do jobs that they don't want to take because they're being leveraged one way or another more often than not the nuyen is enough to to uh, taunt them into uh, getting into dangerous situations and uh, nuyen being the currency the money I was going to say that sounds like money to me, but I <laughs> just from yeah, the so context. The, the, the promise of money and experience or karma, which is the experience points, um, is, is usually enough. But um, yeah, there's often often little ways you can work in uh, blackmail. There's a, one of my friends ran a campaign where all the characters ended up getting taken out while they were trying to pull off a run against a corporation. And rather than killing them all, they, they were all captured and implanted with. Uh, some cyberware that would allow the corporation to keep tabs on them and provide very nasty and potentially fatal uh, consequences for disloyalty. So 
for every job after that that they did, they would have some other add-on that their other corporate masters would have them uh, have to accomplish without any additional pay. That would complicate the job and make it a lot more dangerous for everyone. Oh, that sounds fun. <laughs> so I, I loved that idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it seems like, like it'd be such a great setting for for uh, creating adventures, and it sounds sounds like there's a lot you could do with it. Now, the um, the uh, is there something similar to? I know you mentioned there are different types of characters. Would there be something similar to like a discipline in Earthdawn, or is it a game where the class system is a little looser and it's um, I know some games have like Earthon where it's a pretty rigid, you know, set of things that you can pick from. Other games, it's a total grab bag of just whatever abilities you want to mash up together. Is where would Shadowrun kind of fit on that spectrum? It, well, Shadowrun, there's there's no classes or disciplines or anything. You just pick the abilities you want based on um, how you prioritize what you want. So when you make a character, you get to pick. Uh, whatever you have the most points in from an order rank of one to five, so to speak. It's A, B, C, D, E. Okay. There are other character creation methods you can do, but this is the most common. So uh, the, the different categories are your meta type. So it costs points to be um, a troll or an elf. It costs fewer points to be a human, basically because they're at, there's attribute points. So unlike Earthdawn, where you just get to pick your race and there's no... Uh, pro or con as far as what you're paying or not. Uh, there, there's some balance, of course, uh, but you, you're paying some of your starting character currency to be uh, a different type of meta type. And then there's resources, which is how much money you start with, and there's how many skill points you get, and then how many attributes points you get, and then whether or not you have magical or um, special technomancer powers. Okay. that <coughs> Excuse me. So you get to kind of prioritize that and use that to put together whatever character you want um and there are general archetypes that are used as guidelines but you don't have anything that says you pick these abilities okay the, the, you kind of have to put it together more or less from scratch so it can be a little intimidating at first uh when you're first getting started uh, which is why i recommend uh when you're first starting maybe just pick one of the pre-gens and play a session or two until you get a little bit of a feel for it but um it also gives you a lot of freedom and flexibility you know, I, we've played some Deadlands, and it's it's a little bit like that. So you typically will pick a kind of a concept for the character. I'm a gunslinger, or I'm a private investigator, or whatever. But there's no like class system where if you're this, then you have these talents to pick from. Um, it's anyone can kind of have whatever mix you want. It's it's sort of a trade off. It's kind of nice having that flexibility. But I also like Earthdawn, where what I decide, you know the the character's core concept is a little more ingrained into everything they do. Um, so it's kind of, I guess it's kind of a trade-off just depends on different styles, but I started Earthdawn first. So Earthdawn feels like the normal way of doing everything and every other game on Earth feels weird to me, but (laughs) it's probably like that with whatever game as far as role-playing games go. I'm sorry. Earthdawn is kind of weird as far as role-playing games go. Yeah, I'm finding that. All the things that I, I'm thinking every other game is weird, I'm like, okay, no, I guess Earthdawn's just really different in this way. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think Earthdawn, I, I love that it, it gives you that, that class-based system where you've, you've got your uh, very clear guidelines to pick from right. and you know your role, but you also have a lot of flexibility and the way you advance is by improving 
your individual things that you choose to advance. And you've got a lot of choice in there as right. far as what you're going to pick, even without being a human with, with, with versatility. Uh, just with that talent option you get at every circle and then um, all the skill points you get right away. It's also it's also one of the few games, and it, it may be the – I mean, I, I don't know that it's never been done, but I can't think of another game where – you know, in Earthdawn, your character could walk up to someone and say, I'm a third circle f- sword master. And the the class and level concept is actually in the game. So your discipline and your, your circle mean something in the game. And I know that was another one of those sort of um, abstract mechanical things that the designers looked at and said, I want to put that into the game world so that that you know, so that it means something in the world. So it wasn't just explaining where all the dungeons came from, but the actual structure of the game rules. And the same with the magic system. The actual yeah. mechanics of the magic entered into the, the system more than in a lot of other games. In, in the Shadow Road setting, you'll have characters identifying as certain things, like I am a street samurai, or I am a decker, or I am a shaman. But that that's more or less a label you put at the end. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, there there are archetypes. Uh, the the general ones um, that that are covered, and and many characters might be a, a mix or a blend of these, or variations thereof, or something different entirely. But you, you typically got your, your street samurai, which is general nickname or slang for the cybered or otherwise augmented up um, combat specialist, and then you've got the the face character who is the person who's really good at negotiating for more pay, finding the stuff that you need and talking you past uh, sticky situations. Um, they're really good for pulling off some of the, the less bloody ways of getting the runs done. Uh, then you've got your hackers, which are, you kind of have two different groups of those. You've got deckers, which are characters who use special computers called cyber decks to hack things in the matrix. Um, they can do all kinds of useful stuff. Uh, they're not just, uh, go go in VR and uh, get the data out of the out of the host. They can actually uh, m- most of the things that people have are using the matrix or the internet wirelessly in some way. So you can um, hack your opponent's guns, or if your opponents have cybernetics, you can you know make their eyes uh, stop working or mess with their reflexes or turn off their arm. Uh, so there's lots of different ways that, that computer hackers can be useful. And, and deckers use technology to do that. Um, technomancers are weird and unexplained. They're able to manipulate technology much like a decker, but just using their own minds. And oh, then, of course, fun. you've got magicians who are spellcasters. They can cast spells and summon spirits, and you know um, they're pretty powerful. <laughs> and... Let's see, I think, the, oh, then of course, I'm, I don't want to forget riggers. Riggers are people who have a special cybernetic enhancement that allows them to interface with vehicles such that they physically feel like they've become the vehicle. So a driver that physically feels their, their tires in the pavement and can control their fuel and oxygen mixture uh, by flexing their muscles a certain way. Oh, wow. um, they often use drones for reconnaissance and combat support as well. What would you recommend to someone uh, if someone wants to get into playing Shadowrun has never never been into it at all and wants to start a game? How would you? What would be your uh, recommendation of which version to get? You know, because I just looked at Wikipedia and I was a little overwhelmed with first of all just the amount 
of information there and the different editions and looking in forums and things it seems like there's some argument back and forth on which edition is better and so how would you say brand new player coming at it where would you recommend they start Okay, uh, fifth edition is the current edition, and it's uh, really good. It has its issues. Uh, you know, some people have problems with with one aspect or another, but it's it's easy enough to to work through them, and uh, as long as you're creative, well, like any role playing game. So, there's um, a lot of people like fifth edition, and it's lauded for having the best um, matrix system of all of them. Um, it used to be before that the the Decker character would essentially, when when they were going to go do their run. Um, it would all be in a virtual reality world and everyone else might as well just go leave for a couple hours while the GM and the Decker go play a solo run. Now they're much more integrated into the world in the setting. So they're, they're right there with everyone else. Uh, so I would say if you want your full Fred, full fledged, super crunchy Shadowrun experience, I'd recommend going with fifth edition. That said, uh, the other editions are all great for their own reasons. And if somebody says, "Hey, I'd like you to play," Sh- I'd like to invite you to our Shadowrun game. We're playing Second Edition. Don't turn your nose up at it. You can have a great time. <laughs> um, that said, if you are totally new to Shadowrun, I would highly recommend find the book called Shadowrun Anarchy. It is a rules light version of Shadowrun that still ha- has a lot of the same feel, and it's a superb introduction to the setting material. Um, it's got the most concise uh, setting introduction I've ever seen in any of the Shadowrun books. And the, the rules are really easy to pick up and play and have fun with. It's nope. not quite like um, the, um, oh, what was that one you referred to? The, uh, Earth on um, Age, Earth on, <coughs> excuse me, Earth on Age of Legend. Yeah, in that it's not like a completely different system. I mean, it is very different, but it's it's sort of designed so that it still system-wise feels a lot like you're playing the other one if you played both. Now, is it so, is that the one I think it, I think it's the same one I'm thinking of. Um, I was reading about one of these games that doesn't have a GM. It's you sort of take turns being the narrator or something. Was was that um, Shadowrun Anarchy or that's one of the ways they suggest you could play it? Most people don't. We okay. find that I've I found that most people uh, kind of ignore that and don't play it that way. Oh, okay. I was sort of curious how that would work. I, I was wondering if it, if you'd have. I've yet to try that. that. It could be fun. Well, it's a design where you could sort of pull it out in uh, almost like as a beer and pretzels RPG moment. Yeah. You're just hanging out. Hey, let's play Shadowrun Anarchy. Everyone grab a character. I'll be the GM. Give me 15 minutes to look over the the contract briefing, and you guys take 15 minutes to look over your characters. We'll grab some dice, and boom, we're ready to go. Um, it's if 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 everyone's already somewhat familiar with it, it's pretty easy to throw something like that together. Yeah, that's kind of how Earth on Age of Legend is, and I, I really like it. It's like it, it gets you into the setting quick and easy, and it still feels like Earth on. But I, I still like, if I've got the time, I'd rather play full blown, full blown rules. But it's nice having the lightweight one. Also, we just, um, we haven't played it a lot lately, but we we had um, several weekends there where we didn't really have the time to play. Uh, full-blown full rules game but we uh, were able to play age of legend so we may pick up uh, shadow on anarchy then that sounds that sounds pretty cool yeah that's i i think uh from my experience reading it and playing with it that's i think my 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 main recommendation for totally new to shadow run getting into the game for the first time especially if you don't have someone 
uh, mentoring you into a group, <laughs> yeah. kind of helping you learn the rules as you go. It's 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 one of those you know Shadowrun is fifth edition, fourth, third, second, first, all of them. Unless we're talking Shadowrun Anarchy, it's a very um, a rules heavy system. Um, there there's a lot of moving parts. It's not difficult to learn, but there's a lot to it. So it's it definitely falls pretty heavy on the the crunch side of things on the uh, narrative versus crunch spectrum. When uh, when you say rules heavy, how would you compare that to Earthdown? Would it be similar, or is it even even crunchier than that? Uh, it's similar, but in different ways. Okay, but si- similar level of detail. If if you're comfortable with the the level of game mechanics in Earthdown, different mechanics, but it you wouldn't be feel terribly over your head and chatter on. You wouldn't say. No, no, it's okay. it's it's totally different. The the, the dice mechanic is, is fun. Um, it's all d6s, but you typically roll lots of them. And uh, typically what you do is you roll a bunch of dice and it doesn't really matter what the dice would add up to or anything. You just look at any die that comes up a five or a six, that's a hit or a success. You oh, want okay. those. Um, if you get too many ones, if more than half your dice come up are ones, it's a glitch. That means something goes wrong. Um, if you don't get any successes and get a glitch, it's a critical glitch. And that means the GM gets to have lots of fun. <laughs> Uh, but I, I do like the, the, that a mechanic is built into where that you can both succeed and have something go wrong. I, I do love that aspect of the the, the glitch. Yeah, that's. Um, I I'm trying to think now. I don't believe that's part of Age of Legend, uh, but Age of Legend is built on a a system called Foo. It stands for Freeform Universal, um, and in the I'm trying to think if this is actually in the official rules for Foo or if it might have been just an idea thrown out on on a blog or something. But it, somewhere in some of those variants, you can have a success and a drawback like a um, you can have something that is an extra success. And in addition to that, has some sort of negative side effect. Um, I think that's a variant on the rules, but I've always found that to be pretty, pretty interesting. It's all those um, those little, they call it an and or a but. So did I succeed? Yes. Mm-hmm. And you got something extra or no, but you got something good. It's all those little twists like that, that sort of give all the narrative twists. And it, it sounds like shadow on anarchy, maybe a similar, you know, different system, but sort of like that. So I think we'll definitely have to check that out. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, in Shadowrun system wise, um, basically you're 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 rolling these dice pools, and they're 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 built off of typically you have an attribute that has a number, and you have a skill or some piece of gear that has a number, and you add those numbers together, and that's how many dice you roll along with modifiers. And usually you're rolling against someone else, whether it's another player or NPC, or you know, a piece of machinery or some or a critter or something. And you compare your how many hits each of you gets, and whoever gets more wins. And depending on what you're doing, uh, the, you know, different different things occur. <laughs> That's the super super um, summarized version of the Shadowrun rules, and I guess that kind of covers both Anarchy and um, Fifth and Fourth Edition. All right. Well, great. Well, I uh, appreciate having you on tonight. Sorry, uh, sorry that Rachel couldn't join us. Uh, in fact, she doesn't yet know that I've accepted an invitation to uh, to play on. On, uh, <laughs> I, I'm sorry, I, I've already lost it. Was it Heroes of Earth Dawn? No, it's Legends, Legends of Earth Dawn. Legends yes. of Earth Dawn. I'm sorry. Yes, the Legends of Earth Dawn podcast. I will learn I the name say. before I show up on it. I promise you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you you won't have to refer to it really in character. So, oh, okay, no, no, no trouble there. I will be coughing will... in character though. So, 
We, we look forward to having you join us. And uh, yeah, next session will be in May. So hopefully your cough will be all gone by then. Okay, should be. It mostly has been gone, but just today, it, it about 20 minutes before we started recording, it just started acting up. Like I did great all day and then it just started acting up. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we've appreciated uh, having you back. Uh, actually, not back. We were on yours. We were on right. <laughs> Arcology before, but appreciate you uh, coming on ours. And can't wait to uh, can't wait to uh, see what unfolds with the actual play here. So. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me, and uh, also thank you for letting me uh, announce our our um, upcoming Earthdawn actual play on your show. Oh well, we're we're honored to do that. I before we started, I was sort of like. I, I knew you hadn't officially announced yet, but I was sort of like, I didn't want to like accidentally say something and, and mess up your timing. So no, we were, we're honored that you made the announcement here. Awesome. Well, I'm, I'm honored to be invited on, on to live from, from bar save. And uh, thanks for having me. I look forward to listening to all your, your stuff that you put out. It's been a really handy having a podcast to listen to, uh, to brush up on earth dawn lore as we've been preparing and playing an actual play. All right, cool. So, well, some of what I said is even accurate too. So some of it wasn't even wrong. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it, it's a role playing game, and the reality is kind of fluid. So it's you know, <laughs> you just gotta have to have to accept a little bit of that when you when you come to the table. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, appreciate having you on. I'll talk to you later. Yeah. Thanks. All right. Bye.